This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and today I am interviewing Susan Thompson, who is an occupational therapist and a dedicated Tai Chi instructor. Today, we're actually talking about Tai Chi and all the benefits you can experience from it. So without further ado, here is Susan. Well, welcome to the program, Susan Thompson. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's really a great opportunity. I'm very, very honored to be here. Thank you. So today we're talking about Tai Chi, which I personally do not know much about at all, besides how to say it. So I'm going to hopefully learn a lot today. Excellent. Yeah. So my first question is, how did you get started with Tai Chi and what inspired you to become an instructor? By the way, you pronounce Tai Chi very well. Oh, thank you. Earlier today, I told someone I was doing a podcast and I accidentally said Chai Tea. So (laughs) hopefully I don't screw that up today. <laughs> yes, I know I do. I do get that sometimes from people. So yes, Tai T A I Chi. Um, yeah, so I came into Tai Chi through a, a very remote or back door, and somewhat reluctantly, I will have to say, uh, uh, as an occupational therapist, I tend to be a little more uh, pragmatic, left brain kind of uh, thinking and Western minded. But uh, I needed continuing education, and this was many years ago when we had about four choices for continuing ed. Can you imagine? And so I did not want to go to a continuing ed where I sat at a desk for two days and was bored and not moving. And so this course came through, and it was something like Tai Chi for therapists. And I thought, why not? I'll do that. At least I won't be bored. At least I'll be moving around. Uh, like you, I knew very little about it. I just really signed up because I didn't want to be sitting at a desk. And so I attended the workshop and I think it planted a seed. There was something there when I started to do these movements that just resonated with me. And I was, huh, what is this? This is an interesting thing. And so got my continuing ed credits, put it away, didn't do anything with it. And about three years later, another course came through. I needed more credits. And so this was about a two-day course. And I took that. And then something really took hold. And I realized that um, it was like I had no choice. It was like I I had to do this. And so, and that I had a, a, a certain gift for it, too, that was made apparent to me through the instructor. And so that began the journey and I made a really big commitment. (laughs) I said to myself, I will do three minutes of Tai Chi a day. That's it, three minutes, because I didn't 
want to you know, commit to something that I wasn't sure was going to be beneficial. And so I did three minutes of Tai Chi and it probably wasn't even really good Tai Chi. But I had so many of my own medical improvements that even though I didn't understand it, I couldn't explain why, but I had, my, I had improvements in my own health. I thought, boy, this is something big. And so I started teaching at the YMCA local here for free because I love doing Tai Chi. I saw the benefits it was providing me and I wanted to bring it to others. And I wasn't sure whether I would enjoy teaching Tai Chi because doing it and teaching it are two different things. And so I started over there and my first class, I had 50 people show up. I know that was a bit of a shocker because this is my first class ever teaching Tai Chi and there's 50 (laughs) people waiting. And it wasn't because they knew me at the time. It was just that there was that interest and there was that need. And so I began teaching that class and through word of mouth, by the way, I ended up really enjoying teaching it. And through word of mouth, um, other facilities, other places started asking me to teach Tai Chi. And it grew to uh, the proportion that I had to make a decision. And that was either really commit to this and make this my life teaching Tai Chi uh, and giving up uh, going into as an occupational therapist into my regular practice. Um, And so that's what I did. And so I've been teaching Tai Chi full time uh, for over, over eight years now. And I love it. And I feel like I feel like I'm empowering people. Um, As an occupational therapist, uh, uh, it's a wonderful profession and I loved it, but I was treating one or two people at a time and all of the, the, within the constraints that were, were being placed upon us. And it was after the event, after the stroke or after the illness or after the injury. Whereas with Tai Chi, it was much more or is much more of a, empowerment, a preventative type of mindset, and really giving people, groups of people, large groups of people, the sense that they are taking hold of and responsible for, in some ways, their own health and well-being. And I I love that. I love working from that frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah, from personal experience, it's often more rewarding when someone wants to do something and chooses to do it versus yes. you're being forced to do your therapy now. <laughs> that's a good point, too. I hadn't thought about that, but that's that's true. Those who walk in my door are there because they want to be. They're seeking for they're seeking something. They might not know what that is, but they are there because they want to be. Yeah. So before we get too deep into the podcast, where can people find you online? Well, thank you for asking. The easiest way to find me is just Google uh, Susan Thompson Tai Chi. And that's T-A-I-C-H-I. So Susan Thompson Tai Chi. And if you do that, you'll, you'll find all the different places that I'm, uh, that my presence. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel and I have a website. The website is TaiChiSusan.com. And... My YouTube channel, 
Again, if you go into YouTube and just Google Susan, or rather search Susan Thompson Tai Chi, then you'll find my YouTube channel, which I have a lot of uh, free videos there. Yeah, I was watching some of them. We're talking before, if you're a dog fan, she's got some dogs hanging out in them. Yes, <laughs> my dogs participate, as do my people who attend my live streaming classes. Their, their dogs and cats participate in the classes, and they come running when they hear my voice. So it's, it's pretty neat. <laughs> So uh, you also have like online classes as well um, mm -hmm. for the general public to follow along and then also for therapists, right? Yes, I, I teach uh, live streaming three days a week. Um, and that's been really, really a joy and is continuing. And I get to reach people all over the world with those. And then um, I have pre-recorded online courses if you prefer to work at your own pace. Um, and I teach private one-on-one -on -one through live stream or in person as well. Yeah. Sure. So can you provide a brief overview of what Tai Chi is? Because I, for some reason in my head, I think martial arts, but I know that's not the only thing. Oh, wow. Well, that's very insightful um, because Tai Chi is, gosh, a brief overview is hard because Tai Chi mm. is so many things. I will tell you that Tai Chi started as a martial art many years ago, many, many years ago. It's from China, so 3,000 years ago. It's a highly efficient and close style of martial art. And the uh, one of the legends on how Tai Chi was created is that a Shaolin monk, which they all practiced martial arts, and it was more of an offensive type of martial art. But one day he was sitting out at a pond and, and he was eating his lunch and observing nature. And he saw a white crane fighting a snake. And what he noticed was that every time the snake struck, rather than the white crane striking back and, and, and going towards that force, he absorbed the incoming force of the snake and used it at momentum against the snake and flung the snake away. And that that was the inception or the beginning of Tai Chi. Because Tai Chi is all about receiving an incoming force. And rather than fighting against that force, you utilize that force. It's a very soft and rolling style of using the opponent or the incoming force uh, against them. So it does have martial art roots. However, it's so much more. Uh, it, it has meditative properties. Uh, it also cultivates this, which I will probably talk about in one of the other questions, but uh, this, this essence called chi, which is energy. And it, that brings about a lot of restoration and healing in our bodies. Um, it can be spiritual. I can tell you that Tai Chi is not a religion and it's not tied to a religion. And there's a lot of misconceptions about that. So it's, it's many things. And, and when a person comes into my class, I feel it's my responsibility to, to give them a little glimpse of everything that Tai Chi can be. That it's not, I'll show them some martial art applications. It's not just the martial art though. I'll show them just the physical properties coming from an occupational therapy standpoint. I'll also teach them to cultivate and, and to feel that chi for the healing properties. 
And certainly every time we move together, uh, we're in this moving meditative state. So Tai Chi is, is many things. And as each individual journeys through it, they tend to find or gravitate towards that property that has the most meaning for them, whether martial art or energy work or meditation or stress relief. Yeah. So that's my short answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched a couple of your videos and they, they're more like a follow along, correct? On YouTube. Oh, um, the one I watched was, I believe. Well, I, I throw I throw out a couple follow-alongs. It's sort of like the little hook, you know, because people want to move. They want to experience it. But many of my videos really go into the deeper, the what we call the internal properties of Tai Chi. And so if you ventured a little deeper into uh, some of my videos, I think you would find that I take a very simple form or movement and then teach um, make it more experiential, make it a deeper experience rather than, okay, this hand here, this hand here, and here's how you move. Sure. Yeah. But thank you for looking at those. <laughs> I wanted to under, I'm like, all I think is martial arts. And I'm like, well, you're, yes. you're, not, you're, you're, you're doing movement patterns essentially is what I got out of the video I was watching. Yes. Yeah. So can you break down the different types of Tai Chi and explain how each one is unique? Well, there are different styles of Tai Chi, and it's actually one of my little um, soapboxes, actually, that <laughs> we, we tend to throw all the terminology around, and that can be a barrier for people. And this is one of the things that I, I, I want to uh, eliminate when, when people come to me. I want them to feel like, first of all, this is very accessible and not to have any formalities or barriers that get in the way. But it's also helpful to have a little glossary, uh, understanding glossary of terms. So there are different styles of Tai Chi. So I'm going to tell you a few. There's Chen style. There's Yang style. There's Sun style. There's Wu style. The list goes on. But what those are really a, a, a person's last name. So Grandmaster Yang had his way of moving through a common form, let's call it uh, waving hands in clouds is a very common form through all styles of Tai Chi. So Grandmaster Yang said, oh no, the hands have to be positioned this way and we do it this way. And then the Chen style, which is one of the oldest styles of Tai Chi has a much deeper martial art root, said, no, no, waving hands in clouds needs to be out here. We keep our opponent out and our hands go this way. And so then the Sun, Sun style, which is the newest form, is about 300 years old. And, and Grandmaster Sun said, no, it needs to be this way, and so forth. So I consider all of those different styles much like a dialect. Like we, we speak English, but we might have a little different dialect. But they're all still the same sentence. They're all still the same expression, just with a dialect. And so every style has its roots, has its uh, little bit of history there, quite a bit of history, and reasons why, but they're still Tai Chi. And if you have the principles of, of movement, the, this, the core principles of the movement, the foundation of the posture and the weight shift and all of those things, then it, to me, it really doesn't matter what style you're doing. In fact, I tell my students that 
I, you could make up your own style if you wanted to. <laughs> as long as you have those principles of movement, those internal principles and the, um, the apostoral alignment and all of the things that I teach, that's what's important. It's far less important what's happening out here at, at the hands. So do you, the, yeah. do you have a specific one you learned or? I, um, well, I kind of love them all. Sure. <laughs> I practice Chen style because it um, tends to be a little bit more athletic style. It can be a deeper stance. And it has a, a quality where you spiral and you store up energy like a, almost like a spring, and then whoo, you let it out really quick. And I love that about it. Um, I also practice the, the opposite side of that, which is Sun style, and it's a higher stance. It's a much softer and um, smaller movements. So you can see that it's sort of the opposite. And then in between is the yang style. Um, and then I practice the one that's actually pretty rare uh, that really generates a lot of chi. So they, they all have different properties. And, and I think it's important to, to venture and, and try different ones because one will resonate with you. And so for me, the one that really resonates is Chen style. Yeah. Something that I stood teach, out. I teach all three. Yeah. No. Something that stood out to me is you said the youngest one is 300 years old. So <laughs> I think these have uh, lasted the test of time. Absolutely. It's interesting that it's gaining um, more uh, awareness now. Yeah. So. As an occupational therapist, can you explain how Tai Chi can be incorporated into the realm of physical therapy or occupational therapy? Um, yeah, as we mentioned, I teach a, uh, I actually teach a continuing education course for physical therapists on how to use the principles of Tai Chi movement, as well as a few very simple moves uh, as a therapeutic modality or as a therapeutic intervention. And um, just so you know, for example, the uh, Physical Therapy Practice Act actually has Tai Chi listed as one of the approved therapeutic exercise modalities. Uh, and Medicare lists Tai Chi as a billable therapeutic exercise. So we're not getting so far outside the box. We're just creating a different angle. And what I find is at first, I was quite shy about saying to my patient, hey, I know this thing called Tai Chi. Would you like to give it a try? I believe it'll help you. Um, but the results were so refreshing. They were really refreshing. The main thing I discovered is that I could take the simplest movement, just one movement, open and close, and start there with my patients. And... I mean, there's just not a whole lot to that physically, but it brought about this, it just, it just changed their whole demeanor almost instantly. It gave them something that they felt empowerment and they felt like they could do something. I mean, because, you know, our healthcare system, pretty much if most of the time you tend to feel a little victimized or a little depersonalized. And this gives them something that is theirs that they can do 
doesn't need any special equipment. They can do it anywhere. Uh, they don't have to be wearing special clothes or have TheraBand or get up across the room to get their TheraBand. They can just do the exercise or do the movement. So what I found was that just by introducing some simple forms that it that I had more compliance. The, the I had more compliance through uh, with their home exercise program. And then I could expand on those forms to address ADLs, for example, uh, for those patients that have difficulty bending over, whether it's from vestibular issues or neurological issues or, or just hip, hip tightness. Um, we using a form, a particular, when I call a form is a Tai Chi movement, uh, to teach them that form, and then it, it distracts them away from, oh my gosh, I got to get my nose over my toes, and, and gets them into a movement pattern that's flowing and beautiful and different, and it's in a different context, and so it distracts them away from what they normally would feel stressed about. And pretty soon, they've got nose over toes for a transfer, for example, or for donning their, their shoes and socks. Um, physical therapy. You get a hip patient, for example, fresh out of surgery, and, and their uh, weight bearing is tolerated. And they're fearful. And so I use a particular Tai Chi movement for getting their attention on their non-affected side. And lo and behold, when you start doing this Tai Chi movement, they're weight-bearing because their mind is on the other side and on the beautiful movement of Tai Chi. And so it's endless. It's endless how we can use Tai Chi for, um, for therapy. And one of the primary components of Tai Chi is posture, is excuse me, is postural alignment. I mean, that that is probably the second biggest outcome of Tai Chi is postural alignment. And as you know, as a therapist, postural alignment, boy, if we have that, then we can really move forward with our therapy. So it gives us a great platform um, within, within a, with a new approach where it's not just something that they've done before or just perceived as exercise. And it gives them a feeling that, that they're engaged in it rather than they're being told how to do it and do it this way, and that's it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a good option. Uh, unfortunately, in the clinics, when we used to practice physical therapy, it's you know rather rigid most times. You're just doing isolated exercises. But yes. sometimes I did notice the occupational therapist would get people doing tasks they enjoy, so they didn't look at it as therapy. They just looked at it as a task. So this makes sense to me with Tai Chi, you know, oh, I'm focused on this new thing. I want to learn it. You know, it's a good mechanism to get them off their pain or issues they may be having. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's interesting you use the word rigid because Tai Chi is anything but rigid. And yeah. it, it teaches us to get out of that, that rigid um, state. And you're familiar with PNF patterns. I mean, all of us as therapists had to learn PNF patterns. And I consider Tai Chi like 3D PNF patterns. It's like PNF patterns on steroids because everything in Tai Chi is on a diagonal. 
plus it's uh, a full circle. So it's not just a PNF pattern in one angle or in one direction. Uh, it's, it takes the PNF patterns and it spirals it. So it adds another dimension to it. So wherever you could use a PNF pattern for rehab or um, other, there's other programs out there, you certainly can use Tai Chi. And of course, I'm passionate about it. I feel like you'll have uh, even more uh, outcomes. Yeah. You, I have to remember my all my PNF patterns. Oh, I, don't I, don't <laughs> I remember the basics. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I don't remember many more, but I've got Tai Chi. So there you go. There, there you go. <laughs> So how does Tai Chi promote balance and flexibility, and why is it important for your overall health? Well, um, I'm trying to gauge, I, I want to, I think there's a later question that you have where I want to bring in the, the piece about the fascia. But Tai Chi, as I mentioned earlier, just from a, a external standpoint, Tai Chi really works on postural alignment and aligning our skeleton uh, so well that we end up not using our muscles. So Tai Chi is so counterintuitive and it's so opposite of, of either what we're trained to think as Western-minded or even as physical therapists. And so when we get the posture aligned and get the skeletal system aligned, and it doesn't have to be in perfect alignment for this to work, we use strategies in Tai Chi to actually create more space between joints. This is a quality that is called song, like the, like the song singing a song. Uh, but it's a Chinese word. Song means to relax, but it's not the Western interpretation of relax. I mean, we relax, we just kind of collapse in a recliner and grab our remote and that's relaxed. But the word song is a quality of, of opening up the joints, primarily by using your mind and creating these, these spaces between your joints, which then puts a little bit of, uh, gosh, I, I don't like to use the word tension, a little bit of lengthening in the ligaments and the tendons, and also our fascia starts to become involved. And when we do that, then we learn to hang our muscles on that very deep internal structure. And this gives us a quality of stability, but resilience as well. So it's sort of like a balloon. You take a balloon and, and it's flaccid, there's no structure. Now I can tie that balloon up in knots and that's how a lot of us reside. Our muscles are tense and we're you know uptight and myself included at times. But if we untie those knots and we place space inside of that balloon. In other words, we expand the balloon with air, which is invisible. We create space in the balloon. Now that balloon has a certain uh, uh, buoyancy or a uh, bounciness to it. It also has structure, but it's not tense and it's resilient. And those qualities are what we learn. These are some of the internal qualities that we learn to bring to ourselves through Tai Chi. And, and it's a physical change. 
that's what actually brings about the quote flexibility. So we don't do, we don't move uh, into a stretch ever in Tai Chi. We always move within comfort. We don't move within pain in our pain range. And like sometimes in therapy, we would take a patient, we take a patient to their end range and then we apply a little counter or force to expand that range. We never do that in Tai Chi. Always moving within softness and comfort and songing our joints. And this creates some, uh, I, I just call it a magical essence that promotes that healing and, and then you become more flexible. I mean, I, I'll share with you, I have seven herniated discs. That's a lot. That's a lot. And these are like, these are just a little bit herniated. These are like, man, when I do it, I do it right kind of thing. <laughs> and yet I move like a 30 year old. I have the flexibility. I can, I'm not stiff and I'm far from 30. So <laughs> uh, it works. And I can't even explain. I don't even know why it works 100% but I know that it works. The strength factor, because you asked, oh, did you ask balance or strength? Balance. Balance. That from is simply because in Tai Chi, we do a very specific type of weight shift. And it goes back to that postural alignment. When we change from one foot to the next, if this leg has got the weight on it, and I'm gonna take a step, I don't just take a step and immediately load it. I place my foot down. And only when I'm ready do I weight shift to that foot and what I call fill that foot. So it's a controlled type of weight shift at all times. And in Tai Chi, we weight shift laterally, we weight shift forward, backwards. So you're building this repertoire of, of movement, but in a um, more, Gosh, I don't like the word controlled either, um, more nuanced way. And so we spend more time in a single leg stance during Tai Chi, but it's, you don't realize it because you're always, it's like a wave. You're always shifting from one to the other, and you're never just placing the foot and car plopping into that foot. And that talks to all those muscle spindles all in between. We're not moving on momentum. And that creates this um, strength and balance uh, and flexibility that I think no other, uh, no other style or form of exercise can give you. Is that kind of why, like when I think of karate or martial arts in general, you typically see, yeah, they have more of their weight through their one foot. I'm assuming it's the block or kick with the other. So is that kind of the origins of it then? Yes, that you're always in preparation. You're, you're never, you always re leave options. So if I'm in a Tai Chi uh, bow stance, for example, like, you know, you're going to pull a bow and arrow that you have that stance. That's called a bow stance in Tai Chi. And I may have my weight all on that back leg, but it looks like I'm double weighted but I'm not, I would never want to be double weighted because I'd have to offload before I could do something with that 
that leg. So I'm on one leg, maybe 70%, the other one's 30%, and I can more quickly change. And once I'm got the empty foot up, I can do whatever I like without a perturbance of balance. I can kick in front of me, to the side, behind me, or put the foot down softly. So it provides options. So you're absolutely right. While all the while giving an optical uh, illusion to the person that I'm double weighted. So I, I totally agree with you probably increased your mobility and flexibility because Brad actually, I believe in his twenties and the thirties, he's in his sixties now, but he did karate for a really long time and he Uh really focused on his mobility then. And still yes. to this day, he's much more flexible than I am at 36. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it stays with you. It does. And that's, that's another good point, actually. You don't have to be constantly doing it. I can, I can always tell when somebody walks in that has had some martial art training and they'll say, oh, I haven't done it in 40 or 50 years, but I can see it. I can see it in their movement patterns. I can see it in their posture. It comes back to them. And they yeah. retain it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I grew up playing American football and lifting a lot of weights. So I'm, oh boy. I'm, I'm pretty rigid. <laughs> you might up. want to consider some Tai Chi. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> so how can, can Tai Chi contribute to your mental well-being and stress reduction? Because when I watched your one video of you moving, you looked very relaxed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tai Chi takes you to a really special place. We have so much noise in, you know, in today's time. And it's not just noise, it's our mind, all the clutter going on in our mind constantly and what's in front of our eyes with all of the social media and, and the responsibilities that we have. Uh, I call all of that, I just cluster all of that together as noise. And, and if I were to, to say what Tai Chi is or does in two words, <laughs> it is it creates space. And so you think about it, if we have space, then we can choose our responses. We're not just uh, putting out fires and we're not we're not reacting to the moment. Uh, and we create this a little bit of distance. And even in our body, when we song, we are creating space in our body, which creates a chemical change in our body. It lowers the cortisol. It lowers our fight or flight response, gives us more time to respond to our environment, just having that little bit of space, whether it's a physical space or a mental space or a spiritual space, we are creating or a physical inside our body. We create this space and that allows us to, to change our responses and change our chemistry. Uh, they, they've certainly, you've, you've heard there are research, big research studies out there about how posture changes the cortisol or testosterone levels and it lasts like several minutes after assuming a certain posture. And since Tai Chi's whole premise is about posture, it is having this chemical effect on our body and really reducing those cortisol levels. 
there are some studies where they measure the cortisol and take the saliva samples uh, before and after Tai Chi, or they take the control group and they look at regular exercises versus Tai Chi. And the, the Tai Chi group has lower cortisol. So I'm, it's, it's tangible. There's tangible evidence of this. Not only that, but just from a psychological standpoint, it's like a little tool in your toolbox that you can pull out anytime, anywhere, and this empowers you. So for example, I was really excited about this podcast, but just a little nervous, which was a little weird for me because I, I like doing this kind of thing. And so I carved out a little space and I did a very simple Tai Chi movement, the open and close, and created and expanded that space, changed my heart rate, calmed my mind, changed my, my chemistry, and so then I was calmer. But it's a tool. I can take it anywhere. Uh, if I'm at a dentist office, for example, I mean, who doesn't get nervous at a dentist office? And you don't even have to be moving because it'd be weird you sitting here in the dentist chair, but <laughs> you can just be doing this in your mind. And if you've done it before, you know what it feels like and it has an effect. It reduces your anxiety. It reduces your stress. Um, it's a great stress management tool and it's totally portable. It can be covert. No one even knows, even has to know you're doing it and it's effective. Yeah, it seems like you're almost in a meditative state when you're doing it. You are. It's like for me to sit down and do meditation is challenging. I've gotten better at it. But at first I was just like, wow, I don't get this. <laughs> you know, aren't we supposed to be <laughs> yeah. moving and having our eyes open and paying attention to the world? Um, but Tai Chi, uh, it, the movements themselves, they they have some it has some sort of, I don't know, prime, primordial feeling to it. It's like, it's not totally unfamiliar. And then you start to sense and feel your body and go into the this, this state of song. And yeah, it becomes a moving meditation that I think is a lot more accessible uh, for people, at least initially, than just sitting meditation. So it definitely has a meditative quality to it. Are there any relations between Tai Chi and yoga at all or no? Not really. And okay. that's, yeah, <laughs> that's one of those misconceptions. So I'm really glad you asked. Um, yeah, I'll have, the, the, only, the only crossover there is that they have uh, awareness of centers and energy. Uh, but with Tai Chi, like we never get on the floor we're always moving and flowing. Whereas with yoga, you assume a posture and hold that posture. And yoga tends to take your joints, depending on the instructor, of course, to pretty extreme range. Whereas Tai Chi, always you stay within your range of motion, your own body's range of motion. So there's very little in common except for the energy aspect. Like yoga, I think they call it, um, I don't know, prana. We call it chi. So th there is that crossover, but otherwise not really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've done yoga, but never Tai Chi. And I just, I thought meditative states just crossed in my mind. So. Well, I mean, there is that too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we kind of hit on some of this question, but how does Tai Chi differ from other forms of exercise and what makes it unique for promoting health? Well, it's just way different than, <laughs> than other forms of exercise. In fact, the, the fact that it's so soft and so slow is sometimes a hard sell uh, because like one time this, this early on, I was teaching a beginner Tai Chi and this, this gal, she raised her hand. She said, when do we start sweating? <laughs> like, okay, you might want to go to a different class because we don't sweat in this class. And, but because of that, because people here in the Western minded, most of them think that they have to feel, they have to have that, that feedback of working hard that they assign meaning to that, that that means that it's effective. And Tai Chi is completely the opposite. It's, I tell my students, I want you to be effortless, not effortful. I want you to use your muscles less, not more. And I'm able in my classes to demonstrate though, that by doing that, I actually generate more power. I can move a 325 pound man by using less, by not using my muscles and by having the proper um, posture. Uh, so I can demonstrate to them. It's, so that's one of the primary things of the differences is that we don't want to use our muscles. It, it is not a hard hitting sport. It is not one of those things where you're going to break out in a sweat. Um, and yet, it is so incredibly effective in building your cardiovascular health, which to this day, I don't understand how that happens, um, that my aerobic capacity is, it's really good. But all I do is Tai Chi and Tai Chi is so soft. And so you don't breathe hard. Your heart rate doesn't get up. How, how is this possible? But it happens. So it's far different than other forms of exercise. One of the be great benefits is because of this, because it's soft and we, we respect our body and we move within our range, it is something you can do for a lifetime, your lifetime. No matter what happens to you, you'll always have Tai Chi. So whereas if you play tennis or you play golf or you lift weights or football or whatever that is, run, there, there is going to be a time where you can't do that anymore. Sadly, but Tai Chi, you can do for the entire, your entire life and it will benefit you no matter what, what you're dealing with in that moment. And so I think to me, that's one of the great powers and beauty of Tai Chi. So those that stick with it, they understand, especially after I demonstrate that this is not your typical type of exercise. And then they start to notice improvements and they stay with it and they stay with it for a long time. I've had students with me for a very long time. I'm very blessed. I'm, I, I love my students. So how do you move a 320 pound man? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about inviting him. But <laughs> so you, um, you tap into the fascia rather than the muscles. So this is one of those qualities of what's different about this form of exercise. Our fascial system, you know, we, we're just now starting to really discover how magnificent it is. But the, for whatever reason, the Chinese, and when they created Tai Chi, it was all about maximizing the, fa the fascia. 
And they believe the fascia is the where the energy runs through. But it's also, if you you know you know Tom Myers and all the work that he's done, demonstrating that fascia has many qualities. It's almost liquid in one moment and can be hard as concrete and create incredible amount of support in the next. And so we are ironically, when we superimpose our muscle intent on top of the fascia, it's like we're strangling the fascia's capability and its and its function. So the network, the mesh, and all of that gets uh, 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 well, sort of crimped and um, shortened and malformed and all of those things. Those, we start to release our muscles and go into the deeper levels and deeper into the fascia. The fascia is incredibly powerful. And so instead of pushing against that person, this a large individual or anybody, shoot, I'm 110 pounds, everybody's bigger than me. So, <laughs> so they push on me. If I try to tense up or, or use my muscle force against them, it just comes right back at me and I'm going to be pushed back. If I soften, let go of my muscles, go into that internal structure of the fascia, and then I can use ground force and some strategies in my posture and move the individual. But if I try to do it with muscle, it's not going to work. It just comes back at me. And it becomes sort of a life philosophy too. Would you briefly explain what fascia is? Because most of our audience is a lay person. I, I know what it oh. is, but. Oh, okay, yes. Well, um, for any of you that have cooked with chicken and you have that raw chicken and there's that, that slimy sheath uh, that you have, sometimes you feel like you need to remove, that is fascia. And we have that uh, in between it. They used to think it was just between the skin and the muscle layer that that you experience with the chicken, that's fascia. But what they found now is that it really runs in many, many layers. It's a matrix uh, and a network of, of this uh, connective tissue that runs throughout our body. And I think of it as a mesh and it actually has little highways and they communicate and send messages and do repair and, and such. And it would be, uh, it's sort of the opposite of the muscles. The muscles are red and the fascias are white stuff. So even the tendons and the ligaments are a form of fascia. Our bones are a form of fascia. And this, the, the fascia that most people think of are the sheets that run through and, but they're, they go very deep and it's not just a superficial layer. It's, it goes all the way down. So what happens over here may be communicating all the way down to, I don't know, my left kidney. And so it's all interconnected. It's, it's like this beautiful uh, matrix and it, that's what fascia is. <laughs> Hope that it's was a good description. That's <laughs> a better explanation than I would have given. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's kind of a nature sense of humor that as we get older, our skin gets looser, but our fascia gets tighter. <laughs> yeah, a little ironic. <laughs> yes. And, and one of the qualities, one of the marvelous qualities about fascia is that it's constantly remodeling itself. And it remodels based on our movement patterns. So if we sit all day, our, our fascia says, okay, 
I'll tighten at the hips. I'll stretch across the back. I'll tighten in the front. And then so it remodels to our need and our need is based is on our movement patterns. And so Tai Chi moves you in such diagonals and spirals that it's always working and influencing and remodeling the fascia to a healthier state. So are there any misconceptions about Tai Chi that you'd like to clarify? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a few of them, I think. Well, that could be a whole more. podcast. Oh, all right. So um, first of all, Tai Chi is not just for old people. That just, uh, it's one of my pet peeves. Everybody thinks it's just for old people. Why? I think that younger people need it as much, maybe in some ways more because of the stress, because of the postural uh, uh, positions that we have to be in when we're working on a computer all day, driving, all of these things that, that are having an influence on the posture, which has an influence on your chemistry and anxiety and stress and all of that. So Tai Chi is not just for old people. If, if I were uh, had a magical wand, I would wave the wand and everybody would want to do Tai Chi, no matter how old or how young. So that is one number one misconception. Fortunately, I have some younger people in my studio and are taking from me, and that's a real joy because this is going to be a life endeavor for them, and it's going to benefit them for life. I wish that I had found it sooner. I, I really do. Um, so that's probably the biggest misconception. Another thing is, is that people see it and I'm glad they see it and think, oh gosh, that's so beautiful. And I, I want to do that. Uh, who was it just the other day? I think it was my auto mechanic. Oh no, it was my dentist this morning. <laughs> he said, I, uh, he said, oh, you teach Tai Chi. He says, I've always wanted to do that. He said, I just want to be able to move without pain. <laughs> this guy's young too. <laughs> oh gosh. And so, um, but he saw, he said, yeah, I saw these people doing Tai Chi and it just, I just wanted to do it. That's great. But just know that that's only the tip of the iceberg. That is just the external appearance of it. And so Tai Chi is not a dance. In fact, if you were to tell somebody, a good Tai Chi practitioner, that you know they looked like a dance, that's a big insult. So don't ever say that to, <laughs> to a Tai Chi practitioner. But it's not a dance. Uh, so that's another misconception. Um, I've already talked a little bit about that some people think that it's uh, a religion or, or it's tied to Taoism, which, is a, which has been construed into a religion. It's not. It's, it's, you can align Tai Chi with whatever your belief system is, and it will only embrace it and support it and grow it. So that's important to know. Um, and then another thing is, is that there's one type of Tai Chi or form set that everybody seems to want to learn, and it's called the 24 Yang. It's the most popular, and there's a historical reason why. It doesn't mean that it's the best. So you don't need to know 24 forms for Tai Chi to be beneficial to you. I would I rather teach two or three forms, and you get the richness and the depth of it than try to teach a whole bunch of forms. So learning more forms is not necessarily a good goal, and it's not necessarily beneficial. 
or giving the full credit to what Tai Chi can do for you because you become distracted. You're, you're over here trying to learn the forms rather than learning the benefits of Tai Chi with really deepening your uh, experience with the forms. So my master instructor used to always say, an inch deeper rather than a mile wider. I love that saying. So that's another great misconception is I have somebody come in and they want to learn the 24 or the 73. Or, mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I think less is more at times. Exactly. Very much so in Tai Chi in, in so many ways. So those are just a, and then one style is not better than the other. And, you know, I do Chen style. I do this style well. But do you have the principles of movement? That's what really counts. So those are a few of the, the misconceptions. And then one other one, I really encourage the listeners or the viewers to please vet your Tai Chi instructor and make sure that they're actually doing Tai Chi because you can't get certified in a weekend and teach Tai Chi. It's, it's far, and there are really certifications in Tai Chi are not, it's just, it's just different. It's not like yoga where you get certifications and things like that. So check it out. I mean, really ask yourself and observe and see whether they're teaching Tai Chi or are they teaching Tai Chi-ish or are they teaching some hybrid Tai Chi thing. Now, it may be a great benefit from a exercise, purely exercise standpoint, but it may not be real, quote, real Tai Chi. Sure. Yeah. So would you mind explaining the importance of breathing when practicing Tai Chi? Ah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I w I'll, I'll show you. How's that? I'm not going to get up and show you. I'm going to have sure. you, you, would you, you willing to try something with me here? Yeah, fine? I can breathe. I'm fine. Oh, good. I'm <laughs> glad. <laughs> yeah, that's the interesting thing is we all breathe, right? If we're not breathing, then <laughs> we got, we're not here. So we all really know how to breathe. It's just that um, we tend to get more in a flight or fight style of breath because of several things. One, our posture. And mm -hmm. two, the environment. And then what, are, what is our posture doing in response to that environment? Drives our breath up. So I never teach how to breathe. Because if your posture is correct, then that will regulate your breath back to what it should be, which then in turn reduces our cortisol. So there's a lot of talk out there about belly breathing and abdominal breathing and things like that. And in Tai Chi, if we focus on something, it, we're already out of balance. We do things to bring about changes more naturally. So I'm gonna to demonstrate to you one or have you go through this with me. So the listeners too, I want you to take both your arms and raise them up above shoulder height. As long as your shoulders are good, please don't hurt yourself, okay? A little bit above your chest or shoulder height, good. And then put out your hands like you're, let's see, you get in the frame, like you're saying stop, like you're really wanting somebody to stop, so you go stop. Okay, so your fingers are, your wrists are extended, your fingers are up to the ceiling. And then let's say you wanna to try to push them away, so you're gonna lock your elbows as well. Yeah, now make sure your arms are above chest height. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now take a breath and notice where your breath is. Okay, so <laughs> it's up high and it puts us in that flight or fight. Now we're gonna do Tai Chi mode. 
So what I want you to do is lower your arms below chest height, especially the elbows. Then bend your elbows, soften them. So we, we say soften the joints. We never have rigid joints in Tai Chi. And then relax your hands a bit. And rather than having full wrist extension, I want you to release your wrist so that they're pretty much straight. And your elbow is below chest height. Yeah. You don't have them resting on the arms, do you? On the chair. Okay, good. All right, now take a breath. And so you feel that your breath is lower. Yeah. You see, so our posture can regulate our breath. Yeah, you can relax now. And so that's one of the very first uh, internal principles that I teach is that in Tai Chi, we always keep our arms below shoulder height and we don't ever put our joints in full extension or make them rigid. And by doing so, this naturally lowers our breath. So I don't have to teach breathing. We know how to breathe. A baby knows how to breathe. We know how to breathe. It's just that our patterns that we've accumulated over time due to stress and tension in the environment uh, has raised our breath because our posture is responding. And so you breathe naturally when we put these, these strategies in place. You don't breathe in choreography with the movements either. If I tried to breathe in and then breathe out, I'm doing waving hands and clouds, then, well, that's not fair to the person in the class that has a smaller lung capacity to, than me. And that puts the focus on the breath, which is uh, what we call double weighted. It's, it's too much emphasis in one place. We want to be balanced. So just keep your elbows below chest height, your muscles nice and loose, and your breath will occur naturally, much more organic and beneficial to our body than just trying to um, do it through a forced thought process. Yeah, that's much different than what we're taught in stretching and therapy. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah. most time you push into the pain, so you're like trying to forget it, so you're trying to breathe through it, essentially. Right. So I don't know, maybe you could play with the concept and, and try it with the patient. Just have them imagine their joints being very soft and supple while you go through that and see if that doesn't help them a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. So yeah. you kind of talked about this already, but how adaptable is Tai Chi to different fitness levels? Yeah. So this is another thing I love about Tai Chi is that Tai Chi will take you at wherever you are, what, whatever level you are, whether you're uh, extremely debilitated or you're an uber athlete, and it builds on where you are. And that's important to realize that you, you don't have to do Tai Chi like me, you know, or like a, a Tai Chi master in order to get be benefit from it. It just takes you from wherever you are and whatever you can do within that context, it builds on that gradually, better and better and better. And so this is one of the things that I find so powerful and beautiful about Tai Chi is that I've had all ranges of people in my class and all different kinds of disabilities and illnesses and uh, such. Um, and every, it's an equalizer in a way because everybody is getting benefit from it. 
and it builds on your own personal starting place, not on, oh, John over there is you know, doing kicks over his head, so I have to do that to get benefit. Not true. I've, te- I've taught seated Tai Chi, which at first, I, again, I went to that reluctantly. I was like, oh, I don't know seated tai chi it's not really within it's not the real deal this kind of thing and and i did it just back at the at the time because they just kept bugging me they really wanted me to do this and so i had um all seated participants and i felt more chi more chi flow in that class than in some of my standing classes and so it was teaching me it you it doesn't have to be in this perfect format for it to be beneficial. My youngest Tai Chi participant uh, was five years old. <laughs> and what he would he was there, his mother was live streaming with me and he was there in the background and he got drawn in. He loved it and he started playing and oh he was there for five minutes, but shoot, see he's taking it where he was and adding and benefiting for what he needed. Um, my oldest was 99. Wow. She was amazing. She would walk across this long parking lot. She had a cane. Uh, that was it. And then she would participate in Tai Chi and did a beautiful job and then walk back to her car. And currently in my, in my student body, I have, um, I think, I think I have two 91 year olds, one of which is, she's just, oh, she's amazing. She's been with me for a long time. And she's a physical therapist and she's still working. You know, she has her own little private practice and she does Tai Chi with me three times a week. So a wide range. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very versatile for anyone. Yes. Yeah. So what ongoing research or studies are being conducted on Tai Chi? Yes. When I first started Tai Chi, like with PubMed, when I did a general search uh, for Tai Chi research, because it was important to me. I'm a therapist. I wanted to know that I know what I was personally experiencing, uh, but I wanted to see if there was research out there. And there were about just under 500 research articles back then. Uh, And I mean, it wasn't that long ago. And today there are 4,202 results. Yeah, you go into PubMed and just type in Tai Chi and 4,202. So that's a big explosion of interest. And I find that the research is getting more more specific too. First, it was kind of more general. The first research, the biggest body of research that came out was on uh, using Tai Chi for fall prevention and balance. Pretty obvious. And of course, the results were really good. Um, those that did the Tai Chi, for example, had 60% less falls than the control group. That's a significant difference. And those that did have a fall had less uh, injury from the fall. And so this was probably one of the this one of the first research that came out that really showed that Tai Chi had some tangible uh, uh, positive benefits. But since that time, there are other um, entities that bring Tai Chi into their uh, uh, community outreach and such, and they're doing research. Um, Harvard Health, they, they recently published an article maybe about two years ago called Health Benefits of Tai Chi, and that got a lot of traction. 
the National Institute of Health is doing ongoing research on Tai Chi. Uh, the Cleveland Clinic, they actually offer Tai Chi uh, as part of their overall wellness program. And the CDC, uh, they have about... 12 programs that they endorse for fall prevention, and one of them is Tai Chi. So it is um, growing and becoming more mainstream, but also um, more credible. I would like to say it's, it's becoming more credible. There's research now just on Parkinson's. They've been doing that for a long time that shows the benefits for uh, Tai Chi with Parkinson's. And more recently, they're starting to look at using Tai Chi for cognitive uh, rehabilitation and helping with memory and such. And they're finding positive results with that. Now, and then, of course, the National Center uh, for Complementary and Integrative Health, they've got tons of research out there uh, for Tai Chi to reduce pain, for fibromyalgia, for knee arthritis, Very, getting more granular and more specific. Whereas before it was sort of global, like overall well-being, so it's 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 becoming a very viable therapeutic intervention. Whether that individual engages in it out in their community, or whether we as therapists begin to bring it into our practice. Is there uh, is there any questions I forgot that you'd like to address? When are you going to start Tai Chi? <laughs> <laughs> I'll no, see if I can work it in my schedule. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. That's the other thing. I'm glad you said that. You know, like how much Tai Chi do you have to do to get benefit? Yeah, that's the question. That's a good question, isn't it? And now remember at the beginning of this interview, how much Tai Chi did I do? I did three minutes a day. That was it. And I had, at the time, I had exercise-induced asthma. And I did three minutes of Tai Chi a day. I used to ride mountain bike. And... um I don't know, about a month in, I realized I didn't need my inhaler anymore. Now, keep in mind, I was coming to this, like, yeah, we'll, we'll see this Tai Chi stuff. You know, I wasn't really, like, looking for, uh, I just realized I wasn't needing this anymore. And then after being six months off my bike, and then I got on my bike, and all I had done was my three minutes of Tai Chi. And I got on my bike, mountain biking, and I had, in, I had better aerobic capacity than I had had before at all. I mean, it was just like, how is this possible when I'm not breaking a sweat? And I'm not, all I'm doing is this little bit of Tai Chi every day. So if for anybody that's interested in it, I would, I would recommend taking that approach. Just a little bit, because you're right. Like, where do we get the time? And, and how do we prioritize? What, how do we know what's really going to work and what's going to help us? And, and how, how important can, is this? It's hard to discern those things for everything nowadays, everything from apps to what to eat uh, to healthcare. And I just suggest that you just, Play, go about it with a playful attitude and just do a little bit, a little tiny bit, three minutes. Doesn't even have to be good Tai Chi. I would like for you to have good posture <laughs> while you do it. But, I, you I know. can do bad Tai Chi. <laughs> no, well, you know, bad Tai Chi, honestly, is just when you're just moving through it and you're, you're just thinking of it as exercise. You yeah. know, so good Tai Chi is more when you're learning some of those postural principles and some of those strategies, which 
you can find on my videos. Um, but yeah, you don't have to do 20 minutes a day. You don't have to do an hour of Tai Chi. You don't have to do it every single day, but just a little consistency and a little bit of commitment. And it may just surprise you how you start to benefit from it. It's magic. Tai Chi's magic. I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that approach. I was never, I feel good when I stretch, but I would never stretch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For a long time. So I actually started integrating just I'm like, okay, if I just spend five minutes a day stretching, whatever I want, and actually now I do it all the time so i mean i understand like yeah just practicing something for you know three to five minutes daily i found is feasible versus i have to do a half hour every other day just oh yeah yeah after a while right just build it in i have a my first degree is music i was a professional musician and as a musician we have to we have to be extremely disciplined and we have to practice and i practiced my instrument six to eight hours a day i mean that's a lot of discipline yeah, I, that's. I actually went to a music college for two years before therapy too. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I did oh. drums. I played drum set. So I could have guessed that. I don't know why, but I thought <laughs> if you had given me a chance, I probably would have guessed. Oh, what a good guess! I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty good at guessing. Um, I played a low brass instrument, so you know, lung, breathing and lung capacity. Uh, but the point being is that I spent so many years having to be very disciplined that when, when Tai Chi presented itself to my life, I didn't want to have to be, practice. I didn't want to have to be disciplined about it. I wanted it to be the other way around. I wanted it to bring me joy and that I engaged in it because it brought me joy, not because I have to. And so I encourage all the listeners to find something that gives you that and just try it. Tai Chi a few minutes a day, see if it doesn't just spark a little something in you. And uh, it might, it might create a journey that was unexpected and very beneficial. So do you want to mention your website one more time before we go? I would love to. Thank you. It's easy to find. It's TaiChiSusan.com and Tai is T-A-I and Chi is C-H-I. TaiChiSusan.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and I enjoyed it immensely.